This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, it is playoff week here in Buffalo. It's also Miami week. It coincides. It's incredible, actually, that we're here already to think about it. The Bills win 13 games, of course. One game was canceled, so 13-3 and on the season. They do wind up with the second seed after the league had to decide what to do about them in Kansas City and Cincinnati. And now here we are, the Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins. We are hosting this podcast here, Sal Capaccio and Matt Bove, WGR and Channel 7 WKBW, respectively. All right, Matt, here we go, buddy. It is playoff week, and we're getting closer to the weekend, and it's going to be pretty electric inside Highmark Stadium again on Sunday. Yeah, it absolutely will. And this was a pretty hectic, crazy day for both of us. Just there was a lot of news really from kind of the minute that we woke up until when we're recording this podcast. It's just about 830 on Wednesday night. And I went to the facility today, not really knowing what to expect. And then when we got to the facility, it was just this monsoon of information. It was funny because I had to do a story for our five o'clock newscast. And one of the things that Sean McDermott was asked about today was if it feels like this is kind of like the stars are aligning, it's the perfect storm. And if everything finally feels like it's on the up, you know, Demar Hamlin getting released, Micah Hyde returning, all these other things that we're going to get talked about. Um, And he was like, this is not a soap opera. We've got a football game to get ready for. So like the whole premise of the story was like, yeah, this might not be a soap opera, but there are just as many storylines and just as much drama in this week as there are in a normal soap opera. It, it was, uh, it was, it's been a crazy week and a half, but it was a really crazy day. Pretty incredible day of news. You're right about that. And we'll kind of go maybe in reverse order here because we'll touch on the Miami situation, which was really the first news of the day yep. um, with Tua. But actually I could back that up and say, the biggest news that I'd like to start with maybe may have happened right before that. And that is that Damar Hamlin was released from Buffalo general. Amazing news. Awesome news. And to get to where we were just what we are nine, 10 days ago. Now, when we're doing this, it's pretty incredible to think about the really the ebbs and flows of emotion, mostly Mm -hmm. on the upswing upswing ever since that Monday night in Cincinnati. But there's been a lot of trying times and emotions over that time period. And maybe None better, obviously, than the moments inside the stadium. But when it comes to Demar's health, nothing better to hear that he's going to be home. He is home. He's with family and friends. And he's going to be able to see his teammates soon. The first three days were really hard. The The first day, of course, will be something that's burned into a lot of people's heads for a long time. I think that they wish that they could get rid of that image. And those few days in Cincinnati 
were really tough up until Thursday when we finally got a chance to talk with the doctors. That was last Thursday. And they gave some really encouraging, promising signs talking about DeMar and his potential kind of outlook on what was going to happen. And at that point, he was still in critical condition. He was still in the ICU. He still had a long way to go. But the doctors kind of projected this confidence when everybody spoke to them that I think it kind of put me at ease. And then later on in that day, we were at the facility for the first time since anything had happened. And the team was very uplifted because they were able to, you know, did we win when he wrote down the note to the doctors and everything? So that was kind of the first glimmer of hope. Then we got to Sunday and Sunday was almost like an out of body experience, especially with that first opening kickoff from Naheem Hines, you know, that we talked about it on the last episode it was called spiritual. It was called like an act of God. Like these players after the game were just overcome with emotion because of what they witnessed happened on the football fields. Then I believe it was on Monday where he flew. It was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. He flew back to Buffalo. So DeMar was able to get on a private plane. It was a medical plane, fly back to Buffalo, get in an ambulance, and then be transported to Buffalo general. Now he was still going to the hospital, but if you can get on an airplane, you probably, it felt like, okay, like he's really trending in the right direction now. And then of course we get to this point and you never wish anything like this happens, but I think this was the best case scenario. You know, I know we got to see how he recovers now, but the fact that he's out of the hospital nine days later feels like way better than what I was anticipating when this all first happened. And as much as the team obviously continues to think about him and we we ask about, you know, how they're feeling about all this stuff, it does feel like, and I get a sense that the team is really now able to concentrate on football, right? They've kind of turned that page because they feel a lot more comfortable about their teammate and the situation he's in that they can start focusing on the task at hand, which is the Miami dolphins. And, and that's good, right? When you go down to the facility now, it's not a normal injury. I get that, but it kind of feels like a lot of times when you lose a player, like a Von Miller, or Micah Hyde for the year. And you know, you feel really bad for them, but you know, you have to go on. It kind of feels a little bit more normal like that, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And Given the magnitude of the game, I think that's important that they can kind of shift their focus back to their opponent and making sure that they get ready for a game. You told me on the last episode of the podcast, like I was a little bit probably more critical on the bills than I should have been for the way that they played against the Patriots. And you brought up the point like, man, they really didn't game plan. They didn't really have a lot of time to prepare today was really what I would consider their first real practice in probably a week and a half. They practiced one day last week, but there was a bunch of guys who weren't there. I think they were going really, really kind of like a walkthrough. I don't even really feel like it was a full practice. Today was a full practice as they're getting ready for a playoff game. It's so cliche, the whole most important game, because it's the next game. Well, once you get to the playoffs, (laughs) that's actually what it is. It really is the most important game coming up. Yeah, I think about I think about Rocky and Apollo Creed. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow, right? I mean, if you lose, there is no tomorrow. And Josh Allen spoke a lot about no one wants to go home. No one wants their season to end. They want to keep playing with their teammates. And they have a chance to do that against the Miami Dolphins. Before we get to their situation, let's stay with the Bills and the other big news. We get to the facility and Sean McDermott comes out. And I mean, you got to love Sean, right? He's just so matter of fact how he's, yeah, here's your injury update. Jordan Phillips, Jordan Poyer, no new injury. And oh, by the way, Micah Hyde's going to practice today. I mean, it's just amazing. But that was the big news. Micah Hyde and Jamison Crowder, both back on the practice field. Their 21 day window 
for both of them has opened to be put on the 53 man active roster. However, Sean McDermott did say neither is going to play on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Matt, this is amazing news. We can't assume a win against Miami. The Bills are in a good spot here. But no. if they do, I think we could very well see Micah Hyde, at least Micah, if not him and Jameson, on the field against probably the Cincinnati Bengals or whoever else they may play in the second round. Yeah, I feel like everything I'm going to say is kind of with a caveat here because I do not want to overlook, if you've listened to this podcast ever before this episode, you know how I feel about the Miami Dolphins. So I'm not overlooking anybody regardless of who's playing quarterback, and we'll get to that. But the fact that Micah Hyde was even out there today, I feel like gives the team a really big boost, even though he's not going to be on the field on Sunday. I think seeing that guy out there probably just gave them a jolt that they, I don't even think they needed it, but I think it's just kind of an extra added jolt. And then when we heard from him today and he talked about, it was so eloquent. He basically just said, I watched my team go through so many things these last couple months. And I just sat there and worked and thought to myself, how could I not be a part of this? And, And we talked about this when the injury happened, that would be such a tough mental battle to be one of those core guys that kind of turned around this team and changed the perception of an entire organization. And then you watch your team go 13 and three with you on the sidelines. I always, it's hard to sometimes feel bad for these athletes who make millions and millions of dollars and who live these unbelievable lives. Everybody's going through something, but when you've worked so hard for so long and then you have it taken away from you that fast, Micah Hyde is a guy who I've always felt for. I'm like, man, I know that guy would do anything he could to get out on the field. And now it looks like he might have his chance. Could you imagine, could you imagine a better story that if Micah Hyde was able to come in and contribute and help this team win a Super Bowl? And as you just said, he would do anything he can. He did do anything he could to get on the field. He, he's talked about being in a very dark place when the surgery first happened and how the doctor told him, you're going to feel a lot better in a few days. Then you're going to feel better in a month and it's going to keep ramping up how much you feel better. And he said it all was happening exactly the way the doctor said. And then he said, at one point, he basically said, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try and come back. And you know, a lot of people, doubted that he could do that. And I'm sure people still are doubting. Maybe if he can get back on the field because it's not set. It's not for sure. He's going to be able to do that, but he went after it and we saw him. You and I have been on this podcast saying that we, we had been hearing things. We had talked to people and we both said there, it's not a 0% chance that he comes back. Like he might come back. Didn't know exactly what the situation held, but from what we saw, the way he was working and how things were progressing, this is not a total surprise. All right. I'll be I'll be pretty transparent with you here. We've been talking about it for a while. The moment when it really turned for me was on Thanksgiving in Detroit okay. on, on the field. It's pregame. And Micah was leading the warm-up with all of the inactive guys for mm-hmm. that game. Now, the big story from that game was Trey, because that was when he made his debut for, you right. know, for first game in a year. So I think a lot of the attention that day pregame was on Trey and what was going to happen because we didn't find out he was going to play until an hour and a half before when the inactives list came out. But about a half an hour before that, Micah and those other guys were out on the field. And I specifically remember I was standing next to John Scott from Spectrum News and Josh Reed from Channel 4. And the three of us, you know, we've all covered the Bills for a pretty long time now. 
you get to know guys, especially like Micah who talk all the time and he's running around and he's finally slowing down and he's kind of walking by us and we're chit chatting. And I don't remember who said it, but one of us was just like, are you done like for the year? And he just kind of smirked and ran away. And then right at that moment, it was kind of like, this guy thinks he might be able to play. Mm -hmm. again. This guy thinks that there's realistically a shot. And I don't, don't think it's that whole, you know, under deliver or excuse me, under promise over deliver. Like I don't, he ever was going to go out and say like, Oh, I think I can play because then that puts this pressure and this unneeded expectations to it. But he just kind of worked quietly in the background. And then once he realized it was a potential possibility, then he, he's able to do it. Hopefully. And for his sake, hopefully they get a win and he can come out there and play sometime in the next couple of weeks. Shortly after that happened, the big reason why I was not giving it just a 0% chance was I saw Mike in the field house one day after a practice and I just casually walked up to him and said, look, I'm not reporting anything. I'm not here to, you know, break a story, but a lot of people think that, you know, you, they see you working out there and how hard you're working and maybe it's possible. Does 23 and 23 mean after the calendar turns and not necessarily until next season. And Matt, he just looked at me and he smiled and he just kind of shoulder shrugged and walked away. And I'm like, all right, what does that mean? What does that mean? Right now? We know now we know 23 and 23. He did say though today that even when he tweeted the hashtag 23 and 23 and his agent did, they were thinking next season. They were yeah. not even thinking about this season. This all happened so quickly because of the progress he made, the rehabilitation with the trainers and the doctors and his hard work and determination and how quickly all this came together. And I will say the one caveat here is of course, they've got to win a game on Sunday for right. there to be any chance that we see him. And secondly, he did tell us that this is a call from his doctor. He basically yes. said today that if it were up to him, he would be out on the field this weekend, even with no practice for all of these months and months and months. He was like, I feel great as good as I've ever felt at this point in the season, of course, because he hasn't been getting going through all the bumps and bruises that you would go through during a normal season. But he was like, I do need to get the clearance, the green light from the doctors. So he could feel really good. And the doctors could be like, Micah, this isn't a good idea, at least not yet. And that could push it down the line. And, you know, if they lose a game, then there's a chance we don't see Micah play. If he is able to come back, I don't think the significance can be overstated because one of the biggest things that they have missed without Micah Hyde is they have gotten beaten over the top on mm -hmm. big plays far more in the last three months than I remember what they've done in the last four years. And Agreed. we're actually going to talk about the Mercedes Benz stadium in a little bit, <laughs> but that game was the game where that kind of shifted. He had two interceptions against the Falcons in 2017 as they tried to take the top off over the bills. And he was just like, no, 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 no. And then almost since that moment, teams do not try and beat them over the top. And you know, when you lose one of the two, it puts a lot more pressure on the other guy. So if you could have Poyer and Hyde back there, it would be a, a huge addition for the defense. Yeah. And Jordan Poyer, as great as he is, is even better when Micah hides with him. There's no doubt about that. He doesn't have to do as much to necessarily, I don't know if I want to say cover for whoever else is back there, but a lot of the coaching and the thing that things that go on in between the safeties, the playing off each other stuff, it happens so much more seamless when it's Micah and Jordan versus Jordan and someone else, which we know now is not Tamar Hamlin. How did you feel D Marlowe played last week? 
against the um, New England Patriots? I feel like it's a tough it's a tough thing to assess because I don't think that the weapons that the Patriots have right. are nearly to the caliber of some of the other players that they will be going against in the foreseeable future. And that starts this week with Miami, yep. even with whoever is playing quarterback for them. The Dolphins weapons are three times as dangerous as the Patriots weapons are. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, a game plan thing to put D Marlowe against a team like that. That's going to run the ball versus having all those weapons. We'll see who plays against the new England Patriots at safety. Is it Dean Marlowe again? Is it Jaquan Johnson? Is it cam Lewis? They're going to have to put somebody back there to make sure they don't get beat over the top by the speed of Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, which we'll talk about in just a moment. When we come back after this quick timeout, we'll talk about what went down in Miami with the Tua situation and one other player coming back for the Bills.